Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, truth seekers from around the world. This is Karen Heasley, and I will be your host for tonight. And we are going to have such a delightful show tonight. We are going to be talking to Siobhan Carlson about two prominent spiritualists. I'm going to turn the show over to to her now, and she's going to talk a little bit about herself, and then we're going to get into talking about the two spiritualists. Hello. How are you? Hi. How are you doing? Good. You will mind telling our audience a little bit about yourself and how you got into spiritualism? And okay, okay, yes. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, my name is Charvon Carlson, as she said. I am currently a member of the National Spiritualist Association of Churches, short form NSAC. I am a credentialed. Uh, No, I'm a commissioned healer, a certified medium, and a national spiritualist teacher with the organization. I am currently starting my own church spiritual center called Church of Peace, a spiritual center. That's a recent development. And I am running a a fundraiser for one of the spiritualists that we're talking about tonight um, to raise funds in order to get her a headstone. And for me personally, I came to spiritualism, um, gosh, six or so years ago to the actual organization of the NSAC, but I've lived a spiritualist life my entire life. Um, And I I just love being a spiritualist. That's wonderful. And before we get started, I'm going to tell the audience out there that if they have any questions for our guest tonight, you can call this number. 657-383-0401. Now I'm going to say that again, that you can call this number, 657-383-0416. Okay, so which which, um, spiritualist are we going to talk about right now? Okay, we're going to start with Nellie Mae Taylor. We're going to work backwards. Forward. Um, Nellie Mae Taylor um, was not an NSA spiritualist, but she was a part of the National College Spiritualist Association, um, and that was an organization that had been, they broke up in 1935 for the lack of, 31, 1931, for lack of a better term, NSA um, in 1931 had decided that, that perhaps it would be better if those pe- people of color, um, pretty much black people, um, had their own section of the spiritualism for various reasons, and that's another topic. But anyway, mm-hmm. so Nellie because I want to talk about Nellie May. Okay. Nellie May came, was born in 1910. Um, she was born to Isaiah Walker, who was an African-American, and Rebecca Shawnee, who was an indigenous American um, in the United States. So she was half African and half Native American, which, you know, that's one of the things a lot of people ask is, do we have Native Americans? Which I'm sure we do, and I'm sure we did. But yes. this is one thing that I was able to find that I was able to validate, yes, she was half and half. Um she joined the National College Spirit Association in 1933. She married uh, to Peg, uh, H.G.B. Peg Lake Taylor. Um, they, they lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, around the time of the Tulsa, the Tulsa Massacre race riot. And his family had businesses, and, his, and they grew up in that area. By about 1940, they decided, after the race riot, and, and a few years later, they decided to relocate and move to uh, Tulsa, not Tulsa, to Phoenix, Arizona, where she started her own church, um, the Taylor Memorial Interracial Spiritualist Church. And what's interesting about 
her naming it interracial spiritualist church is because it's it's like she was paying homage to both sides of herself because she was interracial, black mm-hmm. being black and native, and also wanting it to be a inclusive congregation and inclusive church. The other thing is is that she originally tried to join a national spiritualist church, but I don't know which church it was. She never listed it because some of this is pulled from writings. Okay. Um, uh, that she tried to join, but they wouldn't let her in, and so that's when she came up with becoming having her own and having it called the Tucker Memorial International Church, interracial church, which was in continued through the eighties. But the last thing I could find on anything reported was in 1974, where she hosted the 50th anniversary of the National College Spiritualist Association. In that time, between the 1950s, when she, 1940s, when she started her church and, and her transition in 1997, she not only started the church, but she was also at one point president, vice president, of the National Coast Spiritual Association of Churches. Mm-hmm. She was a medium. She did billet reading, psychic work, and mediumship. She led the services and wrote the services. Um, she was also a journalist for the Arizona Sun. Um, she also ran for different offices. Um, she was a very active in the political community. And she, the most interesting part that I, I was able to find out about her that I love personally is that her church, she closed her church for five weeks so she could attend the convention, um, the NCSA convention in Florida. We know conventions are only a week long. I think yeah. she's also going on vacation. <laughs> yeah. They're usually just a week. Overall, she, uh, there was a picture that someone, a Polaroid, so this is back before phone cameras and all that, where, you know, the Polaroid. Yes. There's a Polaroid picture that was taken during one of her services where there appears to be some sort of paranormal activity. It looks like seven lilies, I believe, which represented the number of people who were in attendance at that time. And that was published in the National Summit, which is the, the official magazine, magazine the, the NSA. And they had to get permission for her to for them to publish it in the TNS. Um, the pastor. What also was interesting is the pastor that I believe mentored her and worked closely with her and helped her even set up her church was a NSA spiritualist who was an NST and ordained um, Reverend Ford, who ran Harmony Chapel, also in the same town as her. So he would come and speak at her church. He was there um, to help set up the board of her church. They would go back and forth speaking and serving with each other. Um, And so this, to me, showed her inclusiveness and wanting everyone to feel like a part, to be a part of things. So that's Nellie Mae Taylor. She would, I did read, she was also... um a trans medium, correct, Siobhan? Yes, yes, she was. She was a, what they call a spontaneous trance. Okay. So, and what that means is that she would just go into a trance state. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, um, she might not have necessarily started off to go in a trance, it's just where she ended. So like, you know, she might go into mediumship and then slip into trance. Mm-hmm. And they usually call that like spontaneous trance. Okay. And, and she, she was did. more known for her billet reading. Yeah, you want to talk a little bit that about that? Some of the listeners okay. don't really so probably know One of the is. things that she was really well known for was billet reading is when you have a rolled up piece of paper, somebody writes something on it, and you hold it up to your head, and they tell you what's on it. Mm-hmm. It's written on the paper without seeing the paper first. Okay. Um, and apparently she was really well known for her ability to read the rolled up pieces of paper and accurately um, speak what was written on the paper. 
That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And then she did talk about um, two psychic incidences. One was she knew somebody's house was about to catch fire and was able to notify them before it happened, Mm -hmm. right before it happened or around the time it happened. And and there was another incident where somebody was injured or about to get injured and she was able to go there and help assist them, you know, so they went into demise. And she said that happened that happened to her prior to finding spiritualism, which is why she always wanted to be a spiritualist and be a part of the spiritualist church because these things were things that happened to her as she was growing up. And she didn't really have words for or understanding for what was what she was going through. And when she found spiritualism, she finally felt, you know, at home, like, oh, okay, I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah. So she she knew herself that she was gifted and in um, mm-hmm. some ways, and so she was attracted to spiritualism then, correct? Correct, correct. That's um, Yeah, she tried, I think she did try to go to traditional, more Christian-based churches, but, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, as a spiritualist, you you can go attend those, but they don't feel like they really, you know, speak to you for who you, how you feel on the inside. And she said when she attended her first spiritualist uh, service, she felt at home. Unfortunately, that church wouldn't allow her, but it didn't deter her from still establishing her own church and continuing in the in the work of spiritualism. Do you know how long that church stays in, stayed in existence, and is it still in existence, the church she started? The church is no longer in existence, that much I do know. Um, I, we have, the last article I was able to get was from 1974. Okay. And I believe the church was still in existence well into the 90s, because she died in 1997, and I think the 90s is probably when she might have walked away. So it could have been into the 2000s if anybody tried to take over and it just didn't go far. Okay. So she was very much dedicated as well to spiritualism. Oh, extremely dedicated, extremely dedicated. Um, when her husband died, though, there was she had a, a female partner, friend, mm-hmm. no evidence of either, yeah. who uh, worked with her, who was with her when she started the church, who was like a, um, and stayed with her through. Until um, there, she—I believe she might have transitioned before Nellie May, um, and they were together all the way to the end. That's uh, that's incredible, and what she did was incredible back then, don't you think? To start a church. Oh well, she put a lot. I mean, when you think about the times, we were talking the '40s and yes. the '50s. Yes. When she got started, um, we're talking about a biracial woman. Woman, right. we're talking about a woman, right? Um, and married to a man much, much older than her. So you know, there's all kinds of wagging tails and gossip, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, her setting out. And then she was also running for office, you know, and political. She was also moving in the political arena, um, and serving at different other organizations and foundations, like the like the NAACP and the United Negro Fund. Um, as well as being an active member and participating on the Board of Trustees for the National College Spiritual Association, as well as in our own church, um, that takes a lot of resolve. And then after her husband dies, she moves a woman in with her. Yes. Um, so th- this is a woman who did not let anybody tell her she couldn't. But no, that's she how I her life story. That uh, she did not, she did not ever look at the, the the challenges that came at her as challenges. She looked at them as opportunities to figure out what would work better for her and where to go. So while like the spiritualist church did not, the one spiritual church she attended did not welcome her. It did not deter her from becoming a spiritualist and starting her own church. That's what she took that as a sign of. So that's pretty, um, I think it's interesting. 
That is amazing. And she did have a spirit guide named Great Eagle. Was that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She um, doesn't talk much about her spirit guide. Um, from okay. what I was able to read from Joyce Noyle's book, Company of Prophets. Mm-hmm. Um, but she did have a spirit guide. I think she also had other guides that helped her. Um, one of the things that I found interesting about her spirit guide was because she was half native, half indigenous, I felt like finally someone, not finally, but it just felt mm-hmm. more like, okay, it makes sense that your spirit guide would be indigenous. Um, Cause everybody, you know what I mean? Like it, it's kind of like mm-hmm. that common joke that everybody's got a native American guide. Okay. Regardless of whether or not having a Native American guide makes sense for you to have, you know, kind of thing. So I thought, I don't know, I, I took great pleasure from knowing that. I'm like, okay, she's a digitist. It would make sense that one of her guides would be Native American, more so than the 50,000 other people who all claim the first time, I'm a Native American guy. Kind of like, you know, so I just, I do love that. No, Got it. And she also, I was thinking here, looking at this, because mm-hmm. I did some reading on and she also had a column uh, mm-hmm. in the Arizona Sun. The column was Westside Social Roundup and the Sunshine. Yes. Um, the Westside Social Roundup is basically the gossip column of who's who, what they're doing, where they're going, okay. who they see, you know, where they go mm-hmm. on weekend. Mm-hmm. It was really big in the 40s. 50s and the 60s to have those columns in the paper about the you know kind of like I think New York the society page six okay mm-hmm. so that was like the page six of Phoenix Arizona um, now it's more celebrity driven but back then it was more of the uh, keeping keeping people updated of the ongoings of various different um, members of the community. And then the sunshine was her commentary. So that's where she wrote a lot of her own commentary about the state of the world at the time for her or what was going on in current affairs and her opinion. So that was more of her opinion piece. She led a fascinating life, the things that she did. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I, I believe, I believe I've only skimmed the surface. Um, my goal was, you know, pre-COVID was I'm planning to make a trip out to Phoenix mm-hmm. to see, you know, just to go to where, because I believe the building itself is no longer standing. But okay. I just wanted to go out there, visit her her uh, her graveyard, her grave site, because mm-hmm. um, she's buried at the Greenwood Memorial Lawn Cemetery in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and then just, you know, go to the addresses that I had on hand and just be in the neighborhood just to see, like, you know, try to imagine what it was like to walk around and maybe do even some more digging and exploring um, in that area. Maybe go to a local library. I'm a research nut. So I would have probably went to a local library and asked questions and things like that. But unfortunately, COVID has um, delayed my travel for a little bit. You'll get back to it. I find her to be a a very bold and fascinating woman of her time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially I, during that time frame. Yeah, that's what I mean, especially during that time yeah. period. Well, that's wonderful. That really is. Um, and then you want to talk about the next uh, fascinating spiritualist. This is the one that I'm currently, um, I found out from a friend who was able to go to the grave site um, and was able to discover that she does not have a headstone. And this is Reverend oh, Bertha Creer. Right? talking about Bertha. Yes. Bertha. Reverend Bertha Creer, born, mm-hmm. uh, uh, named Smith, born September 5th, 1876. And she transitioned in May 12th, 1927. So she was pretty young when she transitioned. Yes. Um, now, Reverend Bertha Creer was born in 1876, which made her the first generation in her family 
that was not born into slavery. Her family originated out of Kentucky and migrated to Ohio once the Civil War ended. Um, in 1896, Valentine, she becomes an adult. She is working as a maid per the state census. Um, but her mother, who Borrelia Hines, and um, her mother was already working as a psychic medium. I, I think they called it message bearers. She was already working. I found an article in the paper about her mother. Like, if you want services, she 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 can help you with all of your questions and and ailments and yada and all of that stuff. So Bertha was born into a family with her mother, a working medium. So she already understood what it was spiritual spirituality. Um. Um, about 1900, she is, is her first marriage to someone named Pickett. I haven't been able to find much on that. And then it appears that about five years later, she marries again to someone named Alexander Gray, who it's listed that she divorced, but I haven't got divorce papers. Um, and during that time that she married twice and she's working as a maid, her mother was working as a mind reader, as I had stated earlier. And in 1908, her mother is listed as a gifted woman that can do all kinds of assistance and make potions and was supposedly born with a double veil. And it, um common belief is that if you're born with the, the veil or the skull over your forehead, that you were going to be psychic. Um, she was living with her mother until about 1911 when she married Alexander Griggs. But then somewhere between 1911 and 1917, she marries again to Charles. No, 1918, she marries Charles Greer. But in that time she's with Alexander Griggs is where she discovers spiritualism, the NSA, the National Spiritualist Association. And by 1914, she's working as a spiritualist minister in Ohio. And 1916 is when she opens her church, the Christian Spiritualist Church, and she's the pastor. Um, there was at one point in 1917, her brother Hayden was getting married, and she was his legal guardian. Now, he was 19, so I'm not sure what that – that's a little bit more research I want to – do just my personal, like, why would you need a legal guardian at 19 to get married? Mm -hmm. um, her mom had already transitioned by that point. Um, 1918 is when she does marry Charles Creer. And what's interesting is she's one of the few spiritualists I found in the census who actually lists herself as, when they ask occupation, she listed herself as a spiritualist pastor. During that time frame, so from 1920 until about 1922, she is working as a medium and as a speaker. And um, she brings in large, she was apparently known for bringing in large groups of people to come and listen to her whenever she served and visit her. On July 21st, between July 21st and 24th, she was she worked as a medium with one other woman at the Rialto Theater in Dayton, Ohio, for a silent film that was released at the time called The Hushed Hour, considered the spiritualist the film for the spiritualist film. Um, the film was a silent film about a father who dies and in his will asked each of his four children to sit for an hour in meditation next to his coffin. So after the picture would run, her and this other medium would do message work to the audience that's there for the film, and then they also set up private hours. Um, they would schedule hours, and so they also did one-on-one -on -one reading. And they did this for like from the 21st to 24th, so that's about three days of working um, in, in gallery style as well as in one-on-one -on -one readings. And she actually had to be convinced to do that because she really wasn't into the public 
um, being a being you know doing public work in that in that capacity, but they felt that she was one of their best mediums in the area and that they really wanted her to do it. In 1922, she applies for her passport as she attends the International Congress of Spiritualism in London. Um, and, and what's even great about this is that that's where she becomes the first American and first American to ever receive her credentials as a medium from the SNU. 1923, she is ordained as a minister and also Recently, I was able to locate articles, I'm backing up a little bit, articles where she served um, one of the churches in England um, the whole time. She served while she was there. She she worked their services. Um, They wrote about how great she was and how blessed they were to have her there, and they really enjoyed her work and that she and hope that she will not be a stranger and would visit again. And she's like, thank you all for being so welcoming. It was really, really great. Um, 1923, when she returned, they, she is then ordained as a minister with the NSA. Now, why this is even more interesting is because the, at this point, she's also the only person to hold dual degrees from two different organizations. So, so she's a certified medium with the SMU. She's an ordained mm-hmm. minister and missionary with the NSA. So I thought that, like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, in 1920, so unfortunately, it's, it is 1923 after she gets ordained that the NSA decides to have the question of whether or not uh, black people should remain a part of the main organization or if they should split off and form the NCSA. Um, she was not in support of, of, the, of, split, of the split. Um, so there's a lot of debate and converse, conversations back and forth. 1925, when she realizes that they're going to do it anyway, she, along with Mercy Cadewalder, who if, if most people, for those who might know, she, Mercy, and I butcher her last name every time, Catalana, yeah, was big on the Fox sister and wrote about the Fox sister's history, but she was also a member of the NSA. Yeah. Um, her and Mercy surrendered their credentials when they realized that they were going to go ahead and split the organization into colored and non-colored. Unfortunately, in 1927, um, she dies of shock during a surgery. However, before that, um, she died on May 12th, but on January 29th, she did a lecture at her church called What Death Is. And I thought that was interesting. Um, And... That is Reverend Bertha Crick. And I did read that she became friends with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yes. When she was in England, she served at their Congress, and then she served at a local church. Mm -hmm. Um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, when he went on, when he came to America, which I thought was interesting, because you can't do that now, he wrote a full article about his 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 travels in America for that time mm-hmm. to visit it. Yes. And and submitted it to the papers and the papers printed it exactly as he wrote it. So that that was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um but in it he wanted to talk to the other colored people, black people that he came across on trains and he raved about Bertha Creer that they would have a great mentor and guide um, into spiritualism with Bertha Creer, and he was really advocating that more black people should come and be a part of spiritualism and that Bertha Creer would be a great beacon for them to follow because he really um, felt that she was a great medium. He really enjoyed uh, meeting her and working with her and or just knowing her. 
Well, certainly seems like he had a lot of respect for her. A, a ton, a ton. Um, and I and I thought that was really touching and telling about her work and how committed she was to spiritualism. Yes, absolutely. Um, I want to I want to keep talking about um, your fundraiser, but we have two people that want to talk to you. So hold okay. on a second. Sure. Hi, did you have a question tonight? Oh, hi. Well, not exactly, but um, Reverend Cadwallader probably mm-hmm. was her brother's uh, guardian because that was back when you had to be, what, 21 to be an adult? Okay. That makes sense. Before, yeah. Um, that 18 only happened in the 60s. Oh, well, thank you. That saved you, like, some research. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why it makes sense, yeah. Yeah, if if 21 was considered the legal age, then, yeah, she had to be the legal guardian for him to get married. That is Mm -hmm. awesome. Then I also said speaks to how close she was to her family. (laughs) I just, I, I realized that you were probably a young lady. Yeah, <laughs> and did not realize. <laughs> I did not realize. But I'm like 19. Why would you need? Yeah, I got married at 19. So I was just thinking about myself. <laughs> well, see, you were a young girl, so you didn't think about how uh, before. You know, we had to wait till we were 21 or 21. Yeah. No, we're showing showing our age. The people know we had to wait till 21. You can't see me. I'm hiding. No. No. But that, don't hold us against us. And I am enjoying this very much. Thank you for coming. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you. And thank you for that information. So now, like I said, you saved me a step. See that? (laughs) Have fun in your research. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, do you have a question you would like to ask? Yeah, I just wanted to know if you have any messages from Spirit for me. No, actually, we, we're not doing that tonight. This is more just educational, um, and that's the way we're going to run the show tonight. So, sorry about oh. that. We're oh, just not so doing good. the messages, but thank you for calling. Okay, thank you. Okay, now, you want to tell us a little bit about the fundraiser for her? Sure. So currently, I have taken it upon myself to acquire a headstone for Bertha Creer. Um, What happened was was that I decided I wanted to write a booklet about her during, you know, compiling all my research in Mm -hmm. one little booklet and add her so that she's part of our, you know, so, so something physical, tangible that people can have um, to know that she is definitely one of our spiritual pioneers. And I had a, I was planning, again, I was planning to go to Ohio and visit where she lived and visit where her church would have been, which is now, I think, a highway. Um, And, of course, go to her gravestone. And I wanted to take a picture of her gravestone to be put into the little pamphlet, like a pamphlet booklet, and COVID um, may change my plans. But I had a friend who actually lived in Ohio and only lived like 20 minutes from Columbus um, where she's interned and it was like more than happy to go and take a picture for me and send it to me. When she got there, she found just a stone with a number on it. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. And I don't, I was very emotional. So I called the cemetery and talked to them, and they're like, no, she doesn't have a headstone, it's just a number. Um, and I asked them how much would it cost to get her a headstone, and they said $3,000. So I was like, holy, 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 because it has to be a special, because of where she's interned, it's the old, more, Older, more 
older side of the cemetery mm-hmm. where they only use specialized headstones for the, for for those. So it has to be a specific headstone. It can't be just whatever headstone, right? Um, so I said, okay, I don't have $3,000 lying around. I'm doing a fundraiser. And so currently on Facebook, I am running a fundraiser to raise funds for Bertha Career. We've already had a gallery um, that Raven Rose did, which was absolutely stunning and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And coming up on October 22nd, will be a day of classes. Um, I will be teaching, I will be speaking about Reverend Bertha Creer and Nellie Mae Taylor, but also teaching uh, the African Americans in Modern Spiritualism course. And then a friend of uh, another NSAC member will be teaching um, a three-hour lecture on on the influence of African, African, a con spiritualism on American spiritualism, and that is going to be an incredible, incredible class. If I didn't say so myself, and um, that evening we'll be doing a gallery, a mediumship gallery, and the information and details will go up by this weekend on the on my Facebook page, um, African American Spiritualist. Every birthday career needs a headstone. And also on my church page, Church of Peace, the Spiritual Center, and SAC. And then in the interim, we're also taking donations. And I'm also offering a service of anybody who wants to do ancestry research. I think it's $50 an hour for maximum two hours, completely online, um, and things like that. And I'm going to be keep doing different things like that until I get to the, the goal to, and so far, we've acquired, uh, I think, $750 so far is what's raised. Well, you'll, you'll get there. There's no doubt in my mind. You'll definitely get there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have full faith and belief, and I believe she's working with me. I'm sure. <laughs> what a strong – I think uh, tonight's show, show shows us, as spiritless that these were two strong women, women, excuse me, in their time mm-hmm. periods, that they walked their, their own path, but they walked a good path. Don't you think? Oh, I agree. Um, I What I love about them is that their years overlap slightly because um, Nellie was born, Reverend Nellie Mae Taylor was born in 1910, Reverend Bertha was born in 1876, and Bertha had to carve her own space as well. Um, She was born to parents who could not read or write, um, who were born into slavery, who survived Mm -hmm. slavery. She lived with her grandparents who who also survived slavery, and they chose to make the migration north to Columbus, Ohio, you know, for a better life and work, I'm sure. And she, while she worked, and did what she could, she also, when she found spiritualism, was committed 100%. Because even though she surrendered her credentials in 1925, she continued to run and operate her church until her transition in 1927. Well, she surrendered her credentials because she felt that that wasn't the way that she wanted to go. Correct? Right. Correct. She she felt that wasn't she didn't like the idea of splitting the organizations into colored and white. Right. Um, but like in my opinion, like Nellie Mae Taylor, they both were committed to spiritualism. Yes. Very much so. Just because the people might have made decisions the organization may have made decisions that they agreed or didn't agree with, they still chose to continue to walk in spiritualism mm-hmm. and to be committed to their church and um, continue to share their gifts and talents with the world. And they seem to be very committed to the spirit world as well. Extremely committed to the spirit world. Yes. Um, and in their own rights, their own form of activism, Nellie Mae was an activist. In my mind, Reverend Bertha Creer, just being a woman, again, black woman, 
first generation not born into slavery in the United States and to to not only work with and grow and form her own church and have a reputation for her, her talent and displaying that and going to England. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, that is right. amazing. For that it is amazing. I mean, that's just the turn of the 19th century, of the 20th century. And wow. 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 Again, another wow moment. It is wow. When I read that out, I was like, wow. Yeah, because she went over there and had dual credentials, too, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And being married three times alone. Yeah, back then, that's <laughs> yeah, a wow, see, that's, too. That's a scandal. Mm-hmm. It is. That's a wow. Mm-hmm. And her husband, um, by being with her, he started off as a porter, I believe. But eventually he um, becomes a, what was it, he ended up working with the cemetery. I can't remember what his profession was off the top of my head right now. I don't know mm-hmm. why. It just totally left my brain. Okay. Um, which also made it, uh, it's, I think it was a little sad to know that he wasn't able to get her a headstone when she died because she died before him. Um and I'm like, you were, you worked at the cemetery, but we're also talking, we're going just before the, you know, the, the depression and all right. of the other things that are going on in the mid-20s. And and racism is a thing. Was it, the, mm-hmm. it was a thing and it's still a thing. Um, and so while they worked really, really hard, I'm sure their income wasn't huge. It was just, you know. Yeah, I'm sure um, it was. Also, like Reverend Nellie May Taylor, she never had children either. Oh, I didn't know that of Nellie May. She didn't have children either? Nellie May? No. Okay, I wasn't sure. I knew knew Bertha did, but I wasn't sure about Nellie May. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask that, and it just flew off the top of my head. That was one question I did want to ask about that. Mm -hmm. But that was interesting. What an interesting conversation that we have had together tonight. Thank you. No, thank you. And before you go, I would Mm -hmm. like to know, who has inspired you the most? Bertha Crayer. Can you tell tell us why? Sure. Um, I mean, for now, I get a new favorite every time I research another one. (laughs) Okay. So Rosa Korea inspires me, I think, more so because of her connection. I think about the fact that she was working during the Jim Crow era. Right. Uh, she comes into the NSA um, during the Jim Crow era, during incredible odds stacked against her. You know, being – I imagine that it takes a, a tenacity and a – a commitment to self mm-hmm. um, to not only become a spiritualist, at, but to be one, probably one of the only, to work as hard as she did to become a missionary. She was like the only missionary, I believe, at the time in 1927. And to not only move up to being a missionary, but also move up to being able to travel to England. This is a daughter of a slave who was able yeah. to get on a boat and go to England um, and perform and receive credentials and be well-received. Um, and then running her own church and all of the different she, – she served at um, various – there were a couple that were her favorite places to serve or they asked her to serve there a lot – so she went between Dayton, Ohio, and Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Um, the Rialto Theater um, work that she did, she did. I believe she did that for free. I don't. I think she was a volunteer, and that was, you know, gallery. I mean, that was major gallery because you're talking hundred. You know, however many people see it in the theater, and then the lights go up, and you're you're giving messages. Um, right after a movie ended, you know. Um, so, and I think all of that takes a lot of strength and a lot of tenacity and 
and it's very inspiring, inspiring to me how she was able to be credentialed in both organizations. Yeah, I, um, I was really surprised to hear that. Mm-hmm. Given her background. Um, not that Nellie Mae doesn't inspire me, too. She does. <laughs> but, yeah, so I – but Bertha, I, I think I have a soft – you know, right now she's my favorite. That's that's wonderful. Um, until the next one. Until the next one. Until you find some, <laughs> somebody else that's going to inspire. They're all going to inspire you in some way. They're all, the other, right? But they all, one they are. every one of them that have researched have inspired me. My favorite healer is Rebecca Rebecca Jackson. Um, oh God, I love that woman and all of her work that she did. Um, and I love Nellie Mae. I love Bertha Career. I love I love, I love them all, and I still love them. And I, my goal is just to bring the ones whose voices don't get talked about, to bring them to the forefront. To understand, you know, spiritualism is, I love the Fox Sisters, but it's more than just the Fox Sisters. It took a lot of people, a lot of dedication, a lot of hard work, and a lot of tenacity, and a lot of facing um a lot of backlash and a lot of, you know, people wanted to do them harm or just didn't want them to speak and mm-hmm. to stand up in this time. I mean, we're talking, you know, and women in right. the turn of the century doing the saying, nope, I'm sticking my heels in and I'm staying committed and I'm going to fight for justice on all levels, you know, so. I see that too. When you brought that out, I thought that too about both of them. Both of them had their own way of fighting for things mm-hmm. they thought were right and just. Which, you know, heartens me about spiritualism. And spiritualism is about being true to yourself. It's mm-hmm. about listening to your voice, trusting your instincts, trusting your, no, to thyself be true. And both of these women and the others that I've read and researched have shown what being true to thyself is and how committed they were to staying that course. Yes. And to me, becoming great inspirations for all of us. As we, you know, we, we all face our moments of, we do. Should I be doing this? Nobody likes this. Everybody thinks I should, you know, we all face that. Um, but these women show, but stay true to your voice because it's your voice. Um, I'm going to have one more question then. So sure. when you think about spiritualism, how has it changed mm-hmm. you or your life in any way? Hmm. I think the, what spiritualism has changed is that I have a, a I have words for what I've known all my life. If that makes sense, that mm-hmm. you know, I've always known I was had psychic abilities. I always mm-hmm. knew that I had connection and communication with spirit. Um, and I always have believed, not, not believed, I've always known that um, being true to yourself and taking personal responsibility and living according to the natural laws of God and nature, um, that these were, these are the guiding principles of being on earth. And, and I'm an activist. I've been an activist since I was a kid. So mm-hmm. I'm an mm-hmm. activist family. So knowing that modern American spiritualism is founded, is based in activism. It's how it became. These were fighters. These were people who believed in justice for all, equality, voices for everyone to live the life that works, that they choose as long as they do no harm, obviously. Um, So coming into the religion spiritualism or coming into the spiritualism as we know it today it's kind of like, ah, yes, that makes sense. I make sense, if that 
And that's how I feel. That does change my life. I don't know if it changed my life. It just validated what I already knew. And it gave me it seems like it. Enrich, it enriched your life a little bit more, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. It, it, it's very, it's nice to know that um, this is where I'm supposed to be. Hmm. This is who I am and that it's okay. Even if the world doesn't necessarily agree at all the time. It's okay. That's okay, too. We need that, too. Right. It helps well, to... go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, no, I just wanted to hear what you wanted to finish there. Um, Because in ultimately, there's a saying I always say, it takes all kinds to make the world go round. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, what makes the world, that's what makes living interesting, is that it takes all kinds. Yes. So it's it's been not a... boring or aggravating. If it was just fifteen thousand versions of myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, it certainly has been a pleasure spending time with you tonight, and we want to oh, thank you. Here. Okay, I, we want to definitely thank you um, for spending this time with us. You have enlightened us about these two women in spiritualism, and. I hope your uh, fun drive goes well, and I know it will, and I know you're going to get that money, and, and Bertha's going to have a stone, and that'll be wonderful. It's going to be awesome. I'm so excited. Yes, it I, is. I thank, you, thank you for having me and allowing me to talk about these lovely women and hopefully mm-hmm. inspire anyone who's listening to also go out there. And There's a lot out there. There's a lot of them out there. Um, and if anybody's inspired just to go find one that you've always wanted to know about and go for it. Um, but at, at any rate, I'm hoping everyone has a blessed and wonderful evening. Thank you. God bless you. Take care. You too. Now, now true seekers, I'm going to conclude this show, and may you be the light that helps others see.